On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm very excited to welcome Chuck Carroll. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to share your story. It's it's quite a story indeed. Um, you know, I guess we could just start with you could give us a little bit of your background and uh, what was your journey as you went through some significant weight loss into the plant-based diet. I mean, it's pretty much encompasses like what was like growing up. How did you get to that point where you needed to make a decision too? That's that's super helpful. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have to start at the beginning to get the whole picture, right? Um, so really, I became, I think, addicted to food at a very young age and didn't even realize it. After school, my brother and I would go to my grandma's house, and she was just a few blocks away from the elementary school. And her idea of a well-balanced meal was baked beans, macaroni and cheese, a hot dog or a fried bologna sandwich. I love grandma to death. Um, but you know, she was the kind of woman who had a jar of bacon grease on top of her stove. And no matter what it was, she was cooking, she would put that bacon grease in there. I swear she even puts them in, in her coffee. I don't know. But, um, you know, so when you eat that and then you follow that up with a trip through the drive-through, uh, when mom picked us up, um, when she got off of work, uh, you know, you're not exactly eating the healthiest things. And mind you, there was also school lunch in there, which was often pizza and French fries. So um, by the time I was in, I think, gosh, second or third grade, I was already well over 100 pounds. And I remember standing on the scale at school one day because they were doing this program where they would um, basically, you know, give kids little ID cards so if they ever got lost, they could just hand it to somebody and, you know, it had the height and the weight on there. And I just remember being mortified by the number on the scale and telling this teacher who was taking down the weight, I was like, I got to go on a diet. So hmm. when you have a third grader already with that mentality, that is as unhealthy as their weight. But over time, my appetite grew and grew and grew. And then by the time I reached high school, uh, my appetite had grown so enormously and my diet was so poor. I was on high blood pressure medication because I would go to the doctor. I mean, I was sick like every month. It was something. It was like a wicked sinus infection or strep throat or whatever the case may be. I was always, always, always sick. And whenever I went to the doctor, like they were just terrified because my blood pressure was 180 over maybe a hundred or 95 or something ridiculously high, especially for that age. So I'm on beta blockers as a sophomore. By the time I graduate high school, I'm already over 300 pounds. And then flash forward over time, I'm eating 10,000 calories a day. Can't go a single day without going to Taco Bell. And I had gotten all the way up to 420 pounds, 66 inch waist, and was completely out of control and literally thought that I was going to be dead before I even reached 30 years old. Wow. Wow. Goodness. So there's a lot we can dive into. Um, you kind of hinted towards uh, the food addiction aspect of that, which you kind of mentioned beforehand, we really want to dive into. I'd really like to just, can you walk us through maybe for those who 
one, haven't maybe expressed the words themselves to say, yes, I'm a food addict, or have even thought of themselves from the standpoint of being, having this addiction that pulls them to these unhealthy choices. Like what is going through the mind of someone who's eating these uh, tremendous amounts of calories in these foods? Like what, what are the urges? Like what, what is going on mentally? Because I feel like that's where people are going to connect to you as well. There is no question that my cravings, especially for Taco Bell, were stronger than any pull I have ever felt in my entire life. Mm -hmm. let, let me try to put this into perspective for you. Uh, I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. I was able to quit on my second try. Quitting smoking was a breeze compared to quitting Taco Bell. And I remember specifically this is kind of funny. I can't make this up. I was uh, always wanted to work in radio. And so I got my big break at radio station WBIG in Washington, DC, <laughs> big 100.3. I can't make You're this up. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. So one day this, the sales team comes to me and they're like, we have this client who is interested in working with you. They'd like for you to endorse something called the cookie diet. And I'm like, all oh, right, I'm going to get paid to lose weight and eat cookies. Like this is a can't lose proposition. Now the cookie diet, we're going to circle back to this in just a minute, because let me tell you in the history of diets, this one ranks pretty low on the scale of things that work. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to do a really good job because I'm being paid. I'm going to endorse this on air and you know, it's just the honest thing to do, but day one, I'm jazzed doing pretty good no problem. Day two, I start getting these pretty strong cravings, right? And then I'm still doing okay. Like I feeling a little bit sick, maybe a little bit cranky, but then day three, you've got a total personality change. And I felt like I was coming down with a full blown case of the flu. So when I got off the air that day, I come home and I immediately hop in bed and I don't want to see anybody like somebody could have come up to me and just said, Hey, Chuck, the sky's blue today. It's a beautiful day. I would have wanted to rip their head off because all I could think about at that point was Taco Bell. Literally all I could think about was Taco Bell. And it got worse and worse and worse as the hours passed until eventually I'm at my wits end. Like I am freaking out. I jump up out of bed feeling sick as a dog and I put my fist through a wall hoping that would calm me down, but it didn't. So I then put my fist through a door and that still didn't calm me down. But because I'm now in a major pickle between these cravings, which I was like really going to lose my, my stuff uh, and, and then being paid to do this cookie diet, I'm like, I can't win here. So I devised this plan in the middle of the night to sneak out of the house so nobody would know I'm leaving. It's a clandestine mission to Taco Bell. And so at about 12.30, one o'clock in the morning, I get my $20 worth of Taco Bell. I was on a first name basis with these people, right? They knew as soon as they saw my car pull into the parking lot, what it was I was going to order that day. And so they would have it ready. So I got my $20 worth of Taco Bell and I came home and I will never forget, this is food addiction, it, like 101. I took the first bite and it was like a warm rush of calm just broke over me like it was a wave. And yeah. suddenly everything was okay. All of that anger was gone. The irritability was gone. That flu, it was like I took a magic pill and suddenly I'm feeling like my old self again. 
but that was followed by a really harsh realization and immense sadness that I'm hooked on this crap. Like literally that was the first time I said to myself, I am hooked. And I didn't know what to do because what I realized that night was that I had, uh, you know, this crazy addiction, but no way out. I did not know what it was I was going to do. All I knew was that I was headed toward an early grave and I didn't feel like I could get off of those railroad tracks. I could not get out of the way of that train. And so this epiphany comes to me and it was still many years later, multiple years later that I was finally able to change. And so I wrestled with that addiction for many, many years. And um, it was one that damn near cost me my life. Wow. So that's really, that was a wonderful visual, you know, to think that someone is fighting, you know, they, people laugh about, oh, I'm addicted to this or whatever, but literally you had such intense feelings that you were trying not to be pulled to, to go to Taco Bell that you hit a wall, like the physical, you really, the physical pain didn't even detour you or wake you out of this, like, a, like coma almost, or this trance of, I must have your fix, your next fix, your next high. I mean, yep. I, that's extremely, I imagine frustrating. So what were your thoughts? Like, I need help. I, I can't do this on my own. Well, well I, I knew that, uh, that I, definitely needed some help, but, mm. um, I was going to try to help myself first. And so what I did, uh, was, uh, start really clanging and banging away in the gym for many hours a day, uh, two and a half, three hours a day. So I could offset this calorie binge at Taco Bell every day and still say, yeah, this cookie diet is the ticket, ladies and gentlemen. This is what works. This is what's going to get you to that healthy heaven that you've always wanted. But of course, it was, you know, nothing but a crock. So um, as soon as the cookie diet people were like, okay, well, the sponsorship's been great. We're going to take our dollars away now. Uh, I obviously stopped going to the gym, but I definitely continued uh, my trips to Taco Bell and the weight came back so quickly that my friends, my colleagues, they tried to organize an intervention for me. And I got wind of this, like, like they tried to organize an intervention for me. Like I was a drug addict or an alcoholic and just like ruining my life. And so I, I got wind of this and I got angry, like kind of anger. Like when I put my fist through the wall that, that night, a couple of years earlier and, and, or months earlier. And so what I did was I called up the guy who had given me my biggest break ever in radio and had become one of my closest friends. And I just read this guy, the riot act. And I was like, dude, who are you to tell me that I have a problem? I know that I have a problem, but it's food, man. I'm not shooting up with heroin. I'm not addicted to cocaine. I'm not drinking myself to death. Like, give me a freaking break. You want to organize an intervention? Like, get out of here. I don't need you in my life with this kind of nonsense. So I cut him out of my life and I cut all the other people who are going to be part of this event out of my life as well, because I still was not ready to cut fast food out of my life. And so 
when you're willing to cut the people who you hold nearest and dearest in your heart out of your life, you're willing to choose fast food and junk food over them. That's another sign that, man, you got a real problem here. Wow. So friends, um, were there family members too that were part of the intervention or is it strictly outside of family? No, this was, this was strictly friends. I'm sure okay. family members had concern, but uh, they never voiced it to me. Wow. Okay. Goodness. And so now what's the next step in your journey? So you've cut people out of your life. You know, you have a problem. You're probably feeling more isolated, more frustrated, more out of control. What, what is the next step in Chuck Carroll's journey? <laughs> the next step is uh, keep on going to Taco Bell and, and trying to fuel this addiction um, as, as much as possible. Um, and it, it still took a lot of time even after that to really make some changes. I mean, so here, here's what else is going on at that time, right? I'm dating a girl who every day we were together begged me not to tell anybody that we were in fact a couple. She didn't want me to tell our friends or our colleagues we did work together. She didn't want me to tell my family or anybody. Uh, and the only reason I could think that she felt this way was because she was ashamed to be with somebody who was as large as I was, right? That's all I could think. But that was also as good as I thought it could get, right? Because this, this girl, I thought she was gorgeous. She was not struggling with her weight. Like I thought that I had hit the jackpot and this was just the price that I had to pay in order to be with somebody like that, right? But it didn't balance out because every day it was like being stabbed in the heart. Like, why am I not good enough, right? I just felt horribly about that, right? And then on top of that, I have to fly across the country for work. And I hadn't flown on a plane since I was like a little kid, right? And I knew that the, the seats on airplanes were notoriously small. But I am hoping and I am praying that somehow I'm going to magically fit into the seat. But, you know, my prayers, I mean, they continued right down to boarding that day at the airport. But the really interesting thing happened is that when I stepped foot on that plane, like it, I found out it wasn't just me who was praying. It was like, literally when I made that right-hand turn to go up the aisle, it was like everybody stopped what they were doing. They looked at me and they started praying. Suddenly this was the most religious flight out there, but they were praying, dear God, please don't let this guy sit next to me. I saw it in their eyes. And so with every road that I passed and I had to shimmy to fit down the aisle, really just maneuver. And finally, I got to the back of the plane. That's the seat that I chose because I wanted to be away from as many people as possible. I sit down and I tried so hard to fit into this seat. Like, and I'm squeezing the belt, like just as much as I possibly can. Please let this thing close, please let it click, but it wouldn't. And then I lifted up my enormous belly at the time. And I tried to like make it fit under that. I was like, okay, well maybe this will work, but of course it didn't. And so I had to get back up and shimmy back down toward the front of the plane, ask the flight attendant kindly for a seatbelt extender, and then do that walk back to my seat again, this time with a seatbelt extender in hand. And that was the most embarrassing I think moment of my entire life. And, you know, I saw like a lot of judgment 
in people's eyes. Now, granted, I, I am fully aware of the fact that I might have been hypersensitive to that at the time, but I also know for a fact that there were a lot of people who are like, God, look at that, that guy, God almighty. Like, that's just insane. And, and like, they just, ah, God, that, that broke my heart worse than the girl trying to hide me. So, um, I come back from that trip and I knew I was like, look, I can't walk more than 10 feet at this point without it feeling like my heart is going to explode like an elephant is sitting on my chest like that that chest tightening that you always hear people with heart issues talk about i'm experiencing that when i'm 25 26 years old scared the bejeebus out of me because my grandfather on my father's side had died before i was even born from a series of heart attacks my maternal grandmother he too had had a number of heart attacks, had some uh, open heart surgery, some stents put in there. Um, and then my own father was beginning to have his own heart issues. I was on the express plan for that. Mm. So I, I wanted to live beyond 30. So I made this, this drastic decision to do the only thing that I knew to do at that point, which was to have weight loss surgery. And now let me, let me put a caveat here is that I fully expected the weight loss surgery to fail because every single person I knew who had had it, including some family members, had put all of their weight back on. A friend had had it, recommended me to this surgeon. She had put all the weight back on by the time that I went to have the procedure. And so I thought that this too would be my fate, but at least I would buy myself a little bit more time so that maybe maybe instead of reaching 30, I could reach 40 and just go to my grave saying, well, I tried everything and felt like I, I had, you know, done, done all that I could. And so my head would be held high. Um, but yeah, that was, that was only the very first part of, of the journey. Um, so for anybody who thinks that weight loss surgery is everything, man, it is not what weight loss surgery does is it gives you this little bit of a window that forces you to go through the detox that I could not get through otherwise. Um, you know, those, those Taco Bell withdrawals that we were talking about, you get this little window where if you do eat that food, you will become violently ill, like worse than you would ever wish on your worst enemy. And so I get through that and I make up my mind at that point that I am never going to another drive through again in my life. I didn't mean that my diet was super healthy. I didn't know what healthy was, but I did know that my first step then would be to cut fast food out of my life. And so that was the foundation for one wild ride. I mean, the last 12 and a half years have just been absolutely insane. And hands down the last six, especially the most healthy years of my entire life. Wow. So how old were you when you had the surgery? It was literally on my 27th birthday. Oh, wow. So my, my daughters uh, just turned 28. So I've been just thinking of these young adults. I've, and my two boys are in their 20s as well. Thinking about just that, the encompassing, overwhelming, just you're not focused on going out and doing what 20 some odd young people are doing. You're worried about seatbelt extenders and people staring at you and the food addiction and going out at night and relationships that are not healthy and that oh it breaks my heart as a no. as a mom but also as a physician i've seen patients who like you i think you're going to get to 
is that the, the surgery helps you, like you said, that detox is physically you're incapable, but then they put the weight back on. Plus there's all the other potential risk factors, nutrition, you know, the, the increased uh, problems with absorption and scarring and the pain. I mean, I can't, I've countless number of patients who the surgeons are done with you and then now go to your family medicine doctor and well, that's what we are. So um, talk I, I to me love, about that part. I love please. my surgeon. Yeah, man. Like, so, but <laughs> one other thing I forgot to mention is like, there was one other fear there. And that was the fear that I was going to be too big to buy clothes, even out of a big and tall catalog. Like wow. my, my waist was 66 and it was expanding at least six inches a year. So by the end of my 27th year, so by the time I would have turned 28, like I, I don't know what I would have done for clothes. Like I, I just would have been too large. And at that point, I probably would have become housebound, you know, um, because I, I'm only 5'5", five, five, right? So to be carrying around 420 pounds on a 5'5 five, five frame is, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but what you were talking about with the surgeon and, and the plan there is like this guy where I went, they did have a comprehensive program where they put you in touch with a trainer and a nutritionist. But the problem was I never felt like the plans that were given to us were really great. Um, I remember becoming skeptical initially um, they had a weekly support group that you were encouraged to attend. And I remember becoming skeptical initially when other people would have the surgery, would come in and talk about the ways that they figured out to cheat the system. You know, we had one woman talk about, well, and she pulls this big, big old bag of Swedish fish candy out of her purse. And she's like, I figured out I can eat this many Swedish fish. And then another woman's like, yeah, I thought the carbonated soda wasn't a good idea either, but I've been able to handle this boom Sprite pretty well. And um, she pulls that out of her purse. And I'm like, something that mm. up here. And the nutritionist, she's just like, well, are you able to tolerate those foods? Okay. And they were like, yeah. And so she's like, okay, you know, enjoy. And then I was like, Nah, that's not for me. That just doesn't seem right. So I, I, I stick with the menu that they had given me at that point, which is, you know, lots of lean protein, animal protein, um, you know, low fat cheese, lots of cottage cheese, lots of eggs, uh, ground turkey instead of beef. Like beef was the only meat they really tell you not to eat. But uh, definitely they encourage you to do, you know, deli slices with American cheese rolled up inside of them. And that's a, that's a good, healthy meal for you. And I will never forget, though, when I really realized that they did not have the full picture was the day where I had lost what the surgeon thought was going to be my ideal weight, which is like right around 180. And that's 40 pounds heavier than I am today. And he's like, you've done really well. Now you need to eat a hamburger. Swear to God, the man prescribed a hamburger for me. Might oh as well have pulled out his pad and written it right there. And I just kind of looked at him and I was like, uh, yeah. And, and so I never went to get that hamburger, but I'm just like, you are literally putting crack back in the palm of a recovering crack addict. That is what essentially you have done. And he was oblivious to this, absolutely oblivious 
to this concept. Wow. And I just could not believe that this was the advice that I was just given by my surgeon. And so that is kind of when I became disillusioned with that. And I was like, well, no wonder everybody who I know failed with this uh, weight loss surgery, just as they have with every other diet that they had ever been on. It's because this is the advice that they are being given. And I knew based off of my experience with Taco Bell and that warm rush that I was talking about, if I were to have gone to McDonald's and gotten that hamburger, it would have been the same sensation. And I would have been right back on that weight roller coaster. And that just would not have been a good idea. Wow. <laughs> so it's almost like, hey, go now, go do that crack. And then I'll see you again in a couple of years. It's almost like that's Basically. what they're thinking, right? <laughs> oh, yep. <clears throat> so they never yeah. speak to the, you know, the three pound organ between your ears. And that really is the cause of concern, but nobody addresses it from that standpoint. Like, why do you yep. feel they need to, I mean, I can just see a bunch of, it's like seeing a bunch of alcoholics saying, Hey, and I can bring in my, <laughs> my little whiskey bottle to work and do it on the side. You guys should try this too. You know, I, I just see that type of. Yeah. Wow. It's wow. That's uh yeah. The, the, the wow. only psychological component to any of this was you have to go and get evaluated before the surgery to make sure that you're mentally fit to handle it. Um, and yeah, once, once you're through, man, it's, it's like, they give you no kind of psychological counseling. Like you are, you are definitely on your own for that. Wow. Holy moly. Goodness. <laughs> okay. So, well, now you've, literally ripped yourself away from <clears throat> at least a fast food and you've lost how much weight at this point when you got down to 180? So yeah, 180. So this is probably about a year and a half into the journey. So this would have been, uh, whatever, so 240 pounds that I would have lost by that point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've lost a couple of yourselves right now. So. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> equivalent of one of two Chuck Carroll's that sits in front of us. Okay. Wow. All right. So now you're, what do you do now? So you continue, what, what is the next step to even finding the next 40 pounds, which you had mentioned? Yeah. Well, those 40 pounds, I mean, they, they stayed with me for a good long while. I didn't even realize that I was still technically uh, overweight, if not obese, uh, according to the BMI calculator. I mean, that's, that's the joy of being so short, you know, it's like, your BMI number seems to climb a lot quicker than it does for most other people. Um, but, but, you know, I, I thought that I was doing okay. And I was just kind of managing my weight with Metafast bars and, and, you know, those deli slices and, and lean proteins and doing the best that I could. Um, because I knew that the hamburger wasn't a good idea, but I thought that I was doing okay. I had found what worked for me, but I was still also really terrified that at some point there would be a slip up and I would indeed wind up putting all of that weight back on. I mean, petrified, you know, mm -hmm. even as I'm doing the most craziest, amazing things in my career at that point, you know, like covering the NFL, I always wanted to do that. So I'm doing shows with NFL players and mm -hmm. like just having a phenomenal time. And they're, they're all just like enamored with my weight loss because they're a bunch of fitness junkies. And I'm still freaking out because like, I'm just like, this is all temporary. I'm going to enjoy this wave. But 
it was not until I interviewed um, a professional wrestler of all people, guy who was wrestling in WWE at the time, guy by the name of Austin Aries, uh, who suggested that I take a look at eating a plant-based diet, um, that things really kicked in for me um, and mm. really sent me down like the healthiest path I've ever been on and, and certainly a road that I never want to get off of. Mm -hmm. um, but Austin had just written a book about uh, his own career and how he had used a plant-based diet to really excel in this profession where people are just meat-aholics, you know, protein junkies, mm -hmm. got to get it from beef, got to get it from chicken. And that's just the way that it is, you know, protein, protein, protein. And here's Austin, who, by the way, is from Wisconsin, you know, dairy <laughs> capital of the world. They also love them some sausage, you know, so it's like cheese and sausage. But here's Austin, like shunning that in favor of a plant-based diet. So I take a look at that, start doing a whole lot of research and you know, I just, one thing leads to another. Uh, and boy, am I glad that I did that interview this day, man. I mean, it changed my life. You have no idea how much it changed my life. Wow. So I, I love that. I love when people can literally look back and say, it was this moment where things went even further. Like you were already on a, on a journey, but then it just accelerated, made it better than you could have ever imagined. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you switched to a plant-based diet, how long ago was that then? So it's, gosh, I'm not, so we're doing the show for five years. So it's got to be like six years now. Like I know a lot of people have their vegan anniversaries down pat. Uh, I could not tell you the day to Somewhere save my life. Somewhere in that range. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now you've, I, so now you've had full spectrum, I think, right? Of growing up, dealing with the weight, coming on being at the heavier weight, going through the surgeries, going through that, what was the mental health component of like, what is the arc there for you? Like, as you're going through this process, is there any thoughts that change your emotions? Like what's going on internally um, outside of your internal physical, but your internal mental? So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of, couple of ways that I look at that is uh, yeah, I was diagnosed with depression also when I was in the sixth grade. And mm -hmm. so that got, a lot better uh, when I lost weight and certainly even better still um, when I adopted a plant-based diet. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that I don't still struggle on some days um, because I, I don't ever want to paint um, a plant-based diet as being the, the cure-all for 100% of everything 100% of the time. It's, it's not that. But I will tell you flat out that if you are struggling with your mental health, this is certainly going to help you, you know, mm. um, more so than medication ever did. Um, so that that is the first thing I will say. But to the other aspect of it, as far as like self-confidence and self-worth, um, that has shot through the roof. I would never, ever, ever, ever in a million years allow myself to be in a relationship where I am hidden and made to be feel less than because I'm not less than nobody should be treated like that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're 600 pounds or you're 100 pounds, right? You're equal and everybody should be treated with that same amount of respect. You know, you have to know your worth. And so getting this surge of confidence that comes by proving that you can do something that you thought was impossible that teaches you that, yeah, you are worth everything that you think you are and then some. And so that really has helped me both in my personal and professional life as well. Mm. 
That's an, that's a really fun thing to hear people say that they feel more confident so you can live the life you were meant to live. I think that is just very cool. Um, and that's the joy of being a doctor prescribing a plant-based living or plant-based lifestyle, lifestyle medicine is to see the other side as they go from point A to point B and just kind of be on that journey with someone. It's kind of like a mom, you know, obviously a lot of things I think about <laughs> in motherhood, it's like, okay, time to leave the nest. You've done great. You've reversed your diabetes and then watch them fly off into this instead, I think is such a fun and enjoyable aspect of this. Um, Oh, I That's really imagine it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's day after day. I've, I've been plant-based myself for 10 years and, um, well, obviously my whole, my career, my life <laughs> has changed. Um, but as far as, you know, people ask, I think two questions are probably coming to mind. I'm, I'm trying to always to think preempt, like, what are the audience when they're listening? What are they still wanting to know? One that always comes up is what are you eating a day? And I know it's on your website. We'll get to that, but I think the other one, you know, I have one patient, um, Nikki, who cruised, and I've actually interviewed her on this podcast too. She lost 350 pounds, um, nice. only five, six, all from the plant-based diet. Um, literally met her on day one in person. And four weeks um, later, I was with her when she buckled her seatbelt in her car for the first time and just cried. And for me, <laughs> I never had a weight issue. So I never fully could, I never saw that, right? Because, you know, internally, I, I think a lot of people who are struggling with weight, at least in the context of that internal, like you were talking about the plane, like expressing that to someone, unless it's in an interview, but I've never seen the, the release of it, like the, just the phenomenal ability to do something we take for granted, buckle a seatbelt. And, oh, yeah. but yeah. now- it's, it's real. Right. It's totally real. She's five, six. Um, she's got all the skin issues and she talks about that. So what about that, that weight loss? Is there any consequences to that weight loss? And how did you deal with it? Cause I certainly have these conversations regularly with patients, if you don't mind speaking to that, cause I think, I think that's something that really it's, it is a big uh, concern and question for people. <laughs> it is. I get asked about this all the time. And so, yeah, uh, I have a ton of extra skin. I'm just lucky with where it's sagging, you know, on my mm -hmm. thighs and on my abdomen. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm married. So uh, my <laughs> wife loves me. So I really don't care all that much. I mean, one of these days I'll, I'll get it removed because when I exercise, I have to, you know, kind of wrap it up. Uh, otherwise, without support, it can be um, a little painful. Mm -hmm. but, but, but I say that, but here's what you need to take away is that the old me would have used any little thing as an excuse to continue down that unhealthy road, right? Mm -hmm. So knowing that I would have to deal with extra skin, I'd be like, eh, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to keep going to Taco Bell, right? Um, it's so easy to give ourselves an excuse to not make changes that you want to make deep down inside and you know are the changes that are in your best interest every little thing, you know, you can, you can find a reason to justify not making those changes. And certainly skin would be one of them, but I will tell you this, I would rather have 20 pounds of extra skin sagging off of my body than be dead. And so that's really what it boils down to. Would you rather have the skin or would you rather be dead? And yeah, you can have the skin removed as well, you know? So it's really not that big of a picture or, or as big of a problem as a lot of people would make it out to be initially, mm. right? You, unless you're really running hard or doing jumping jacks or something like that, 
you're not even going to notice, you know, and mm-hmm. you're going to become a master of, you know, dressing so that people don't pick up on it if you're a little bit self-conscious about it. But I don't really think that you will be too self-conscious about it because you, if you're at a point where you're worried about extra skin, you're also at a point where you've done something that you never thought you would be able to do. And so that extra skin is a damn small price to pay for being where you're at. Mm. I love that because you're putting it in context of you can use it as an excuse or you can use it. It's, it's a very small price and it's manageable, much more manageable than being dead. I think. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so now we'll get to the diet. Um, what do you eat on a day-to-day basis? People will want to know. I always get this question if I don't ask. So please share with us what's in your daily menu. <laughs> All right, here, here are the go-tos. Uh, breakfast, I mean, I'm, I'm your typical boring vegan, you know, oatmeal with fruit on top, you know, maybe some chia or some flax in there uh, mm-hmm. for breakfast. I absolutely love it. I love putting frozen fruit on hot oatmeal and then like it just, it cools it down right away and you can just go to town, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so good. Um, <laughs> lunch is typically beans, greens, and grains. Um, you know, so whether it's quinoa or, um, gosh, I don't know, brown rice, you know, it doesn't have to be anything really elaborate or fancy or anything like that. And then you just take whatever greens you have, uh, in the fridge and you put those on a plate too. And you top that off with some beans and maybe the beans are heated up and you put that over the greens and the greens, they wilt a little bit. And then that's really good. And then maybe you throw a little sweet potato on there to sweeten it up. Like it's just super, super good, super, you know, tasty to me. Now the old me would have thought that I was absolutely out of my mind, but the me today is like, giddy up. Let's get this on the plate stat. Um, snack time, carrots, hummus, roasted Brussels sprouts, whole grain pita without fail. There's not a day that goes by that I don't eat that. All right. So essentially I've replaced Taco Bell with carrots, roasted Brussels sprouts and hummus, right? These are the facts. And I love these things. And my wife, she goes like, she can't stand it when I cook the Brussels sprouts because they stink up the kitchen. Right. But I'm like, baby. This is a small price to pay for a lifetime of health. And she's like, eh, can't argue with that. Give me a Brussels sprout. She thinks that they're delicious too. She just can't stand the smell. Um, And then dinner is like kitchen sink salad time. So more greens, whatever I have in the fridge. And then I'm the king of roasted vegetables too. So whatever veggies I have that I've roasted up that week, I will throw them uh, in in the bowl with the uh, with the greens and just kind of mix that all up. And then sometimes I'll add some quinoa to that or, or some farro, whatever the case may be. And and you know maybe some more sweet potato. And the cool thing that I found about a sweet potato is you can really kind of blend that up ahead of time and and make it a little bit of thin. You can even add just just a splash of water to thin it out, and then use that as a dressing. And that way you're keeping the fat and the oil content super, super low, as opposed to using a bottled dressing that you may have purchased from the store. And so, you know, it sounds a little bit weird at first, but don't knock it until you've tried it. Just don't thin it out too much. And then it's a disaster. So you find that sweet spot um, and it's it's just really good. And, and then, yeah, typically I'll have a, another little piece of a whole grain pita and hummus with that too. So um, that's pretty much it, um, you know, and snack time, you know, uh, I'll do like Will Bolsowitz, my friend, uh, the author of Fiber Fueled. He uh, he turned me on to um, 
if I feel like I'm a little bit short on calories that day, he turned me on to uh, splitting a, a pitted date in half and then just putting a little dab of peanut butter on there. And I'm telling you, it's like eating a Snickers. Like it's so good. Um, so little healthy snacks like that. Um, but I mean, that's it. I, and I do kind of eat the same thing day in and day out. That part of me hasn't changed. What has changed is it's just a much healthier menu. Well, and it sounds too, I mean, that's such a wide variety of foods and very filling. It's a lot of food, substantial as far as amounts with the calories and you know, I'm saying you're having low calories, but you have all this fiber. So you're filling up very quickly. Um, at least some of the, I actually have some patients, they're so little young, you know, tiny women or older ladies and their appetites already to come and decline. We struggle actually to keep weight on. <laughs> so I was like, eat more. Like I can't eat anymore. Like you need to eat more. So yeah. pushing a few more of the nuts and the avocados and all those fun things. But, um, That's that's exactly why, you know, like I was talking about the low calories, you know, if, if I'm a little bit low, that's exactly the reason right there. I was like, if I right. see the scale drop below 140, I'm like, eh, it's a peanut butter day, boys and girls. So, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, and, you, you learn, um, you learn how to balance. Right. And coming from the opposite extreme of that, right. What a different conversation going on in your head. I was like, oh, yeah. wow, I need to eat more peanut butter <laughs> and dates to, to reach my calories. Otherwise I'm not getting enough. Wow. That's just, yeah. it's weird. And, and like, no lie though, that was a little bit tricky at first because, mm. you know, knowing that I did not want to go any lower, um, than having to increase that caloric intake and, wow. you know, move the scale a little bit in that opposite direction. Like that was a little bit of a mind tug for me. So, um, got past that just fine, obviously. And, and now I do think like you, like, it's a little bit funny, like I was at one end and now I'm at the other. So, um, but, but again, you learn how to balance it and balance it healthfully. Um, and right. everything's working out just beautifully. Now is your wife uh, plant-based as well? She's pretty much there. She's pretty much there. Um, I would put her more under the flexitarian, um, heading not that she eats meat but there is a little bit of dairy every now and again um our father-in-law is now living with us um as well and uh, he's about as far from being vegan um as it can get so um so um you know we we have a, a wide range of menus in this house mm. yeah that does that is a constant topic of conversation always is you know someone in the home is adverse to fully plant-based and the whoever switched over oftentimes is usually the lady <laughs> um, and <laughs> cooking the menus and they're exhausted from cooking is so really interesting but I guess maybe that's a another follow-up question I'd like to follow up is you know when you think about everyone who switches to a plant-based diet and sometimes they struggle or revert back to eating a standard American diet or their old habits is the social struggles um, in finding a way to navigate those kind of difficult situations did you ever have any pushback from people as far as switching to a plant-based diet or did you have any struggles and, or was it just easy sailing? I mean, sure. I mean, a lot of people thought that I was crazy, but people thought I was crazy for having weight loss surgery too. It's like just being confident with your own decisions, you know, and that's what it boils down to is like, you have to stop listening to other people and trusting your gut. Um, so yeah, even though there was some pushback and some skepticism, um, clearly everything has worked out. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, now those same people who were 
questioning like are you sure you want to do that they're asking like what should i be eating really like what what am i missing like here's what i'm eating in a day where grade this on a scale of 1 to 10 how healthy is it you know and so it kind of opens the doors to have some nice discussions about it too so um just be confident like and that does take practice you know you're you're not going to feel 100% confident right out of the gate um, because in a lot of circles, let's face it, you know, eating a plant-based diet exclusively is still very taboo because we live in a country where milk is perceived as healthy and lean meats are considered to be healthy. And a little bit of this or a little bit of that isn't necessarily a bad thing. And enormous portion sizes from fast food restaurants are the norm. So um, you know better, you've always known better. And now it's just time to start listening to yourself. So that's what it boils down to. That's really good advice. Well, then I'm going to ask for, is there any other uh, advice or things that you would like people to know or that maybe you learned in your journey, wherever it was in your journey that you maybe we haven't covered or that you feel like will really resonate with someone who maybe is struggling? Yeah. Uh, one is like all of your favorite foods that you're eating now that aren't necessarily healthy. Uh, there are healthy versions of those. I mean, you can tweak the recipes and enjoy the same thing and it is going to be glorious, right? Cause it, it, let's face it, right. It is scary to kind of end what have been the longest lasting relationships that these people have ever had, you know, these relationships with food. And so when you're asking them to break up with those things, like they're like, no way, I'm not ready to give up this. Um, but if you're like, well, you can still have that relationship. It may be a little bit different, but it's as good, if not better as ever, then it makes it easier to make that, that leap. And the other thing I will say is cool. You know, ask me what I eat in a day, ask me for some snack ideas, ask me for advice or whatever. But just as I said, to listen to your gut. Uh, as far as following a healthier path, like you also need to listen to yourself and find what works for you. My menu may not work for you. You know, this is not a one size fits all thing. You know, a healthy diet is a very individualized thing right down to your taste buds and your cravings. And so find what works for you. Like I literally stopped listening to everybody else for a very long time. And that's how I, I got to be in this healthy position that I am now. And so now if I'm asking people for advice, I'm like, yeah, well, I like that part of it. That's pretty cool. Right. And I like something else that somebody else said. So let me put those two things together and see if that works for me. And so sure enough, you know, boom, I, I take a little from here, a little from there, put it together. And then that's how I land in the sweet spot for myself. And so I encourage other people to do the same because once you find what works for you, it becomes so much easier to stay on that healthy track 100% of the time. I would even go so far as to say is it cuts down on all of those ridiculous cravings and temptations and social pressures that can get us in trouble down the line because you're so happy to be in the place that you are that, you know, those temptations, while they still may be there, you know, you're perfectly fine without giving in. Mm, that's, that's fantastic. And um, also, for those who may not be familiar, could you tell us about your podcast so people uh, can tune in because it's it's excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, called the Exam Room Podcast. It's by the Physicians Committee. So, um, what I do is I get to talk to phenomenal experts and health success stories. Um, 
really all over the world. And humbly, I will tell you that the show has grown to become uh, one of the most downloaded nutrition podcasts on the planet. Like we hit number one in 79 different countries last year, which mm -hmm. is just absurd uh, in the best way possible. Um, and our, our downloads this year are already far surpassing what we saw in 2021. So um, a lot of people are hungry for health and that's really, really amazing. You know, and for me to be able to parlay my media experience into now interviewing some of the biggest names in health, you know, is, is really cool. And to have, you know, Dr. Neil Barnard, I consider him not just a colleague, but a friend, you know, and like I have T. Colin Campbell coming up on the show, James Wilkes from the Game Changers, Kim Williams, Dr. Will Bolsowitz, bestseller, now one of my best friends, you know, and, and Cyrus and Robbie from Mastering Diabetes. Those are my dudes too. And so, you know, you really build this, this sense of community um, with all of these, these guys and, and, and use it to really try to inspire and help other people along in their journey. And so that's what the show is all about. It's about inspiration and it's about information. And like, I am so thankful for literally every single one of the 8 million people who have downloaded the show. Like, I, I love you guys all to death. Like, I cannot possibly thank you enough for helping me down this healthier path, but then also, you know, finding it useful so that you can carve your own healthy future. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Chuck, and if someone wanted to reach out to you, I, you know, the weightlosschampion.com website, is that the best place or read more about your story? Is that where they yeah, you can go out? there. Yeah, you can go there. But the easiest way to hit me up directly is uh, find me on Instagram or Twitter uh, at Chuck Carroll WLC. That's Carol with two R's and two L's. And the WLC stands for weight loss champion. So um, send me a message in either one of those places. And uh, I would love to love to hear from you. Excellent. I think that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I know we've had some scheduling conflicts. So I appreciate your flexibility and everything. And so uh, thanks everyone for listening and please share this episode with anyone that you feel um, might benefit. And uh, as always, thanks for uh, being here and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button so you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.